below light workers, star seeds, earth angels, spiritual seekers, indigos, crystal beauties, and multidimensional beings. My name is Michelle Josen, and welcome to the Inner Mystics Podcast, a place where we talk about magic, intuition, manifestation, healing, the universe, and stepping into your love, light, and power to create more abundance, joy, and freedom in your life so you can live in alignment with your soul's purpose. Thank you for being here and enjoy today's episode. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Inner Mystics podcast. Today, I'm super excited to bring on my friend and this amazing guest. Her name's Tara. She is a mystic, a kundalini instructor, and a spiritual mentor. Welcome, Tara, to the Inner Mystics podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on again. (laughs) I'm super excited to do this the second time with you. Yes, and for everyone listening, the first recording, it didn't work out, so obviously it was meant to happen the second time. It's it's more aligned. We had a girls' night. We're more connected now, so it worked out. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> so I want to start off by everyone who doesn't know you. What is your zodiac sign? So I am, my son is a cancer. Um, and then I'll just tell you everything. So my son is in cancer. My moon is in Scorpio and then my rising is Aquarius. Yeah. Very emotional, intense person. (laughs) And I love it because our signs are literally the same, except our moon and our rising sign is switched. So we're like legit soul sisters. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to also ask, what is a major theme that's coming up for you right now? A theme? Yes. Um, ooh, a theme. For me, it would just be to keep going with my trust and trusting myself. Um, that, like, keeps coming up. It came up this weekend. I was at a woman's circle, um, and it came up there. It's come up last week, and I think it's really because I'm actually stepping into and aligning with what I'm supposed to be doing in the world and my mission. And as scary as sometimes I think that is, the more I show up and do things out of my comfort zone, the more um, reward I get from it, the better I feel, and I get that sense of fulfillment. So I think just really like trusting myself and acting on that. Because I used to tend to kind of shy away from things or, um, you know, things would come to me and I would be like, oh, that's not for me. Like, how can I do that? So just really... Um, honing in on that we're like we're the only ones in this whole universe like I'm the only Elise that there is at the party that there is on the planet so like it shouldn't be a comparison or anything to anyone else yes I love that so much and my next question for you is your favorite way to raise your vibe dance And this is why we had to switch and do another podcast because I think I said like taking a cold shower on the last one, Um, but it's definitely dance. And I think we even talked about it this weekend when I was asking you, you know, how do I get more in tune with my channeling and my soul self? And um, I can just easily drop in when I dance. I feel free. I feel me. And it's funny because I never... I just thought, like, everyone liked to dance when I was growing up because I just was so in love with it, and I never knew it was actually, like, a quality that I could bring um, 
bring to the space and actually show people and um, that side of me. So. Yes. And I love it because our first hangout was actually ecstatic dance. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I I want to talk about because you've really been stepping into, like you said, trusting yourself and now you're doing Kundalini classes and you guys, I went to one of her classes and it was her first time instructing and no joke, she, it seems like she had been doing this for years and that's how I knew instantly, like this is her calling, this is what she needs to be doing in the world, people need her work. And so I just want to ask, like, what brought you to Kundalini? Um, so yeah, that class was great. I'm so happy that you were there. And, um, so I got back, so I used to be a flight attendant for, um, Emirates Airlines. And so when I came back to the States about a little over a year ago, I was just very lost and confused and, you know, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And a couple girls called Elevate the Globe they're kundalini instructors they have this whole awesome program and um they slid into my dms with their five-day challenge and i didn't even know what it was but i just remember doing anything i would do just anything at that period of time just to try to make myself feel a little bit better so i started doing their kundalini challenge and i really didn't even know what i was doing i was like what these are like weird strange movements and strange songs and i don't know what i'm doing but all I knew was I felt better at the end of the class, at the end of the sessions I was doing. And so I kept doing it. And that actually is what led me to meeting my spiritual mentor a couple months later. And then she um, really got me started down the path of Kundalini and the teachings and um, what it's all about. So that's kind of how I stuck my foot in the Kundalini waters. That's so amazing because like looking back on it now, you just see how it was like bringing you to this moment of becoming like this kundalini instructor, like these little synchronicities, <laughs> like who would have thought just like a DM of a challenge to start something and now here you are being an instructor. I know. And it's so funny that you're saying this to me now because I was having this realization last week right before I was like promoting my first class and I was like this is so weird. I didn't even know what the hell Kundalini was last year. Like now I'm like a super devotee of it. And it's just funny how when you little steps and those little things, what can come about of it. Yes. And so I want to ask for, you know, the people that don't know really much about Kundalini, you know, you hear all about awaken your Kundalini, the rising of the Kundalini and you hear a lot about that um, in the spiritual community. And what is Kundalini for the people that don't know? You're perfect. I love this question. So I get asked this a lot. And um, so Kundalini is simply put um, coiled awareness, um, coiled potential that sits at the base of our spine. And that's awakened through different meditations, through mantras, through sound healing, um, really what we teach in the kundalini practices, different kriyas. And when that um, energy is awakened, it will flow up through the spine, through the shushumana, through our chakras, not only helping us to heal, but also, you know, 
um, releasing those old traumas, those old memories, because um, muscle holds memory, and so it's releasing those and really allowing us to step into our true self, which in Kundalini is called our Satnam. You'll also hear us saying um, Satnam a lot to each other, or Satnam um, to people, and that really just means our true self. And just that activation is allowing us to let go of the old past, the old wounds, um, and it's known as the yoga of awareness. And so some people, you know, if they get in a car crash or they have very traumatic things happen to him, it can awaken through very traumatic experiences. But I love Kundalini because F done in a safe environment with a teacher, it's a very safe practice and it doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff online that um, shies people away of it. Um, especially last week I had my first class and one of the first things that someone asked me, they were like, is this a cult? Oh and my gosh. I, yeah. And I really just want to, I'm, I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but I'm just really um, saying this to let you know that it's not. And I think people, you know, and especially in like the 3D, they have these perceptions of people and doing the certain practices and it's no different than any other thing. And it's very universal practice. So it's not a religion. Anyone can do it. Disabled people can do it. It's very, um, there's no discriminatory there. And, um, so that's another reason why I just love it. Cause like anyone has access to this. Yes, such beautiful technology, and it's so ancient, too. And I hear all the time in the Kundalini class that you kind of start off with this, um, what is it, Ong Namo Guru Dev oh, yeah, Namo? Yeah, the mantra, the Adi mantra. Yeah, so what, what does it mean? So we always tune in with the Adi mantra before we start the Kundalini practice, and it's, it's a lot different than other forms of yoga. So Kundalini, we do just things differently. We usually will start in with the Adi Mantra, which is Om Namo Guru Dev Namo, and this just really means I bow to that divine wisdom, the divine healer within, um, connecting to ourselves and um, connecting to the golden chain of teachers that come before us. So like you said, it is such an ancient practice and it comes from this lineage um, in, line, in line. So it's kind of like tuning in. I like to tell my students, it's kind of like tuning into a certain channel you want to watch on TV um, or even on Netflix if you want to watch a certain show. Usually you have to get on the platform. You have to open the TV up, turn it on, and then you have to switch to the channel of the show you want to watch. And so... Um, and Kundalini, we really have to tune into that frequency, tune the whole class in so we're all on the same page, we're all on the same channel, so we can have this flow of class so the teachings can just be channeled actually through me. And what really all essentially I am is I just like to say I'm kind of like this, um, like a technology channeler because I'm just really allowing the um, teachings to flow through me so I can... Uh, allow it to come to the students and not every class and every class that's why every class is so different because it depends on the energy and it depends on what I feel like teaching that day and there's thousands and thousands of kriyas we can pull from so it's just such a different experience than your typical like hatha or vinyasa or flow or whatever other classes that they have out there yeah and I love that no kundalini class is exactly the same like every kundalini class I've been to is completely different. And I love that. 
And I love that also through, you know, the class that you're asked to close your eyes and really tune in and make this about like holding space for yourself and making this an inner practice. And I think that's what also makes it so not unique, but different from the other classes that I've taken in yoga. Like, sure, I close my eyes and whatnot, but I'm not like asked to really just close my eyes and be with myself and just feel into my body. And it's just so beautiful. And I want to like, I want to ask, I know you kind of touched how Kundalini yoga is different than other forms of yoga, but can you kind of expand upon that? Of course. So I love that you mentioned the whole closing your eyes. And I just really think that this is what our bodies have been begging us or not even our bodies, our souls have just been craving for us to just take that time, whether it's three minutes in the morning, whether it's, you know, if you have time for an an hour practice, but whatever you have time for just going within, because, you know, today we're so bogged down with like our meat that we, what we need to do. I think we just forget about ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, so about 80%, I would say 80 to 90% of Kundalini is with the eyes closed. And it's actually cool because we are really holding, I'm just really holding that space so you can have your own experience. Um, like no Kundalini class is the same. No one is going to have the same experience of Kundalini. And especially for someone that's brand new, I can also like kind of give them that warning sign that, Hey, this may be a little bit emotional, but don't run out the door. Like this is just what your body needs. Because as I was saying earlier, how the muscle holds memory when we're releasing that, we're releasing the trauma that can get very, very emotional because we're used to, you know, numbing out on the alcohol and the cigarettes and the stimulants. So when we're really, you know, facing ourselves, that can be scary for most people. And I think that's why that connotation that Kundalini is, you know, scary or um, out of the box or different. I think it's also stemming from the fact that we're subconsciously kind of very, very scared to face our own selves because we're not asked to do that every day. Um, and now I forgot the question that you even asked me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. (laughs) They needed to hear that. And I I just wanted to touch on something that you said, because you said it's something that like our soul really craves. And it, it just made me think how, you know, you were this flight attendant for the Emirates and then you came across Kundalini at that time because your soul was just needing that experience. I mean, you were, you know, flying around and of course those are beautiful experiences, but then after a while it starts to kind of get exhausting, you know, after a year or two years, always being in the air and not really like feeling that groundedness with your soul. So it's just, just a new, another, another thing that I noticed along your, your path that's just, so aligned. Um, but I did ask, how is Kundalini yoga different than other forms of yoga? Oh, okay. I was like, I think I'm answering the question. Um, so I get asked this a lot. And the main thing that I think is so different besides everything that I just said is that the fact that it works so fast in comparison to the other yogas. So um, I don't have the quote on me, but with all other forms of yoga, you can get like this result of I don't really like to say enlightenment, but like more awareness, more awareness of yourself, more wholesomeness. And it would take you 22 years of all the other yogas to get what you can get in Kundalini from just one year of, um, 
you being committed to yourself in the kundalini world so i mean 22 years or one year i said i was intense and emotional earlier no wonder why i'm on this path (laughs) um and that's really what people i think are so like wow and like i said before you have to experience it so if i just told someone you know to go do kundalini like they really wouldn't think anything of it it's really something that I could talk to you for forever about but until you experience it it's kind of like experience the experience you wouldn't really kind of comprehend what I'm saying so um that's the main difference it's very potent it's very powerful and it works very very fast um that would be I think the main difference and then also we're not touching you so in classes like when you go to a flow or you go to Pilates or whatever the instructors you know can come up and like place your um, do placements with you and um, are allowed to touch you but with Kundalini we really um, don't believe in that it's not something we do just because we don't want to interrupt the experience that you may be having during our class so those are the key um, differences there yeah, I love that. And I I love that in a kundalini class, you guys implement a lot of mantras. And so I want you to speak a little bit about the power of mantra. Yes. Yeah, so it's so funny that you are talking about mantra. So I have just been recently diving into mantras more and more. Um, I love mantra and it's very healing. So there's meridians in our mouth. And when we make certain movements with our mouth, with our tongue, our tongue is hitting certain meridians all the time. As I'm speaking right now, I'm hitting certain meridians and that is causing signals to our brain to go off and causing us different emotions and different feelings. So let's say you listen to like a rap song and it's like, whatever it's saying, like, yo, 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 I love food. I don't know what rap song. I love bad bitches. jar down 
and we just calm the jar calming ourselves it's kind of like our mind so those sparklies will kind of drift down siffle down and sink into the water and just be still um and I like to show this I go into a lot of schools and talk about this oh my um, gosh no joke I always use this analogy but I use it for a snow globe (laughs) oh yeah okay yeah I was like trying to like verbalize how because usually I just like show and I'm like how do I say this but yes actually a snow globe is perfect a perfect example so um, this is with also not a only mantra, but with, you know, doing the uh, meditations and everything. But when we can repeat the mantra, it's really calming that monkey mind. So we're not, you know, thinking, oh, I need to make dinner. I need to pick up Shani- I need to pick up um, Johnny at school. I need to do this because we, we have to take a minute for our bodies to calm down. And so when you repeatedly repeat the mantra, it will slow down and it will really, um, sink in and then the meaning of that mantra whether you know it or not will also affect you so um i just love to have mantras on all the time like even if it's just playing in the background because they are also um for different things so there's certain mantras that we use for protection there's certain mantras that we use for getting rid of fear or bringing us courage so um there's a lot of different you can dive into different areas of the mantra Yes, and I love that you brought up, you know, um, the rap song and whatnot, because a lot of people don't realize that the main chorus of the song, when they're constantly repeating the chorus, it is a mantra. Mm -hmm. You know, we see a lot of, a lot of things are rituals in today's society that people don't even realize that they're, you know, participating in. So to be able to like actually have that intention and say these mantras that hold powerful collective frequencies it's just it's it's powerful and transformative and i've noticed when i've been doing my mantra work and i'm like oh i just don't want to do this for like another minute or two and i just feel that resistance and i just kind of break through that to the other side and i just i feel so much better and so much lighter and i i know that there was something sitting within me that was just being called to like break through and that's why that resistance was manifesting in those you know last few minutes yeah and sometimes i mean we are sitting there and we're like very resistant to whatever it is we're doing and when people you know tell me that or they tell me they can't sit through something or something's really hard for them i always tell them you know that actually is a sign that your body's needing this because if you can't sit through it then there's probably something in you that you know doesn't want to face it you're facing resistance like you just said and so I I tell people you know this that's actually a sign that you need whatever it is that you're doing yeah especially like I notice it in my day-to-day sometimes when it's it's like I I really don't want to do my meditation today it's like oh this is the day I need it the most then (laughs) you know yeah exactly and I have those days too I'm like oh are you kidding me I can't sit through this 11 minute meditation and then you just kind of force yourself to and yeah 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 so I kind of want to switch gears here okay and talk about plant-based living okay (laughs) yay (laughs) and I want to ask what made you decide to transition into plant-based living so this was an this was a process. It wasn't like one day I woke up and was like, I'm going to be a vegan today. Um, it was more of like a, probably a year and a half or so process. And it started actually while I was 
um, in Emirates, it started with the no meat thing. Um, I remember one of my friends was completely vegan and he was just kind of poking fun, poking banter at me, like saying like, I couldn't go a day without meat. Like I love meat so much and kind of making fun of me. And I was like always up for a challenge and kind of like this feisty personality. I was like, uh, I can go like a whole week without meat. like watch me. And so I went a week without meat and I was like, you know what, this is not even hard like it really wasn't that hard for me because there was at the time a lot of other flight attendants were either vegan or vegetarian and it was kind of like the up and thing coming I guess and especially on that side of the world I was in Dubai um there's so many different nationalities and um people over there and a lot of people are vegetarian so it wasn't that hard to become vegetarian and then when I started working with the women from Elevate the Globe when I did that five-day challenge I realized they were vegan and I was like, I wonder, like, if I could really do the whole vegan thing. And that's when I was in school. I studied with um, Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, it's a really, it's one of the world's largest nutrition schools. And in that school, I think during the time I was doing this challenge, it was like the uh, whole vegan lifestyle. Um, because with that school, we had learned over like 25 different dietary theories, and that just happened to be the one for plant-based. So it really actually, looking back, it very much so aligned because I was like doing this kundalini, and they were saying, oh, plant-based is the best. And then in school, we were learning all the science behind, you know, why plant-based is the best. And so that's when I consciously tried to start, you know, getting off the um, – I was already off dairy. I think I had switched that before. But for me, my big thing was the cheese. That was probably definitely the hardest – thing for me to give up and even when I tried to give it up a couple times I would still slip up so I think I ended up giving that up for good like last November so it's been almost a year that I've been straight plant-based yeah any tips for people struggling with the cheese (laughs) (laughs) so honestly I always think um it's better to substitute than just go without uh we're you know, wired food is such a psych- psychological thing, and we're wired to like want that same consistently. See, or especially if we're used to having it on our burgers or on our fries, or we're like used to putting cheese on everything. And I think that's also the problem too, because we don't need all this cheese. <laughs> it's actually just like the people that sell the cheese wanting us to buy it. And um, so, just a couple tips. There's a lot of different substitutions. I'm personally not a big fan of the substitutions because they, they taste strange to me, but there is a brand called, I think, Treeline, and I can give it to you so you can put it in the show notes uh, after the call, but I want to say it's called Treeline, and they have really good, like, cashew um, cheese where you can, like, have the cheese and crackers with, like, if you have, like, a wine night with your girlfriends, um, and I was using that for a while, and then you can also use... My dad makes this really good cashew cheese. So there's a lot of cashew, um, what is it called? The dip, nacho dip. Yeah. So we use that sometimes. And I think you just gradually like end up not even really wanting it because once you're off, so let's say you're, you've been plant-based for a couple weeks, your body gets used to not having that dairy in your system. And then the minute you have it again, you may get like upset or feel strange. And so I think actually that's what happened to me. I was like, really wanting it when I would like go have a night out with the girls and like we'd get pizza and I was like oh I can have some pizza that's fine 
Um, but then I remember the next day just feeling ill and I was like, yeah. okay, my body just really doesn't want this cheese anymore. So, yeah. And, you know, as you eliminate things from your diet and you, you know, introduce them back in, or like you said, you go out with your friends and then you decide to have it one night and then you get a headache or you feel heavy or you get bloated, like you notice it a lot more because you've eliminated it. And now it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I don't normally feel this way anymore, you know? So it's a good indicator of like, okay, this, my body doesn't like this. It's sending me a clear signal to not have this in my life anymore. Exactly. One of my friends, well, you know her, Rachel, she actually texted me this morning and she was like, I'm up for sauna and I just had a turmeric, I just put turmeric creamer in my coffee because I ran out of, uh, she had like vegan stuff before and she's like, and I had to run to the bathroom right after I had it. And I was like, I don't think I can be eaten anymore, like even creamer. And so just her having that realization is just a sign that her body's just not having the, um, the dairy anymore yeah and the fact that our body is always sending signals to us constantly speaking to us and so I want to ask how did like what is the difference that you've noticed from before living a plant-based life versus now like do you have more energy do you feel more clear like what are some of the things that you've noticed energetically physically mentally and spiritually so I love this question because I really don't think I can properly answer it because I just think it's just a part of my lifestyle now and I just changed my whole life since coming back home like I was a flight attendant and like doing that whole like running around the world thing and like so you, like you said super airy and not really grounded and so when I came back and I just tried to you know get all into this like holistic lifestyle and, and living I think it just um integrated so well with what I was doing and so I could tell you like I feel better I feel calmer I feel more me but I also think that's definitely like my lifestyle changes so like I'm sleeping at a normal time I'm meditating every day I'm taking my vitamins I'm saying what I'm grateful for every day I have close friends around I'm with my family so I really think for me, it's more so, it's a lifestyle thing. And of course, if like you are just going straight from eating meat to um, eating more plants or eating less sugar or whatever, you're gonna feel better. But I really think it has to be this holistic, holistic approach where, you know, what's really the root reason why you're not feeling, not feeling good. Because you could, I mean, you could eat meat and, you know, you could have meat and have a happy lifestyle and you know, be fine, but you all, you have to always think of these different moving parts. Yeah. And I love that you brought up, you know, that it's a lifestyle. Cause I, I think that that's ultimately, you know, what we want to see in today's society is them incorporating this lifestyle rather than this assignment or chore or, you know, God forbid the word diet, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, but more of just making it a lifestyle and, that it's just so integrated in your everyday life that it doesn't feel like a chore and it doesn't feel like you're, you know, keeping yourself from enjoying the things that you love to eat. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, well, what will I eat if I can't eat meat? Like, how will I get my protein or like, you know, okay, now I can't eat sugar. What am I supposed to have? It's like, there are so many alternatives. And so I want to ask, 
Um, and I'm sure this is like a number one question you get, but when people are like, oh, well, what will I eat if I can't have meat? Right. So I also get asked, you know, the whole protein question and I kind of giggle because it's just, we're honestly like, I'm not a nutritionist, but we're honestly probably getting too much protein. There is very, very few people in this world that are protein deficient. Like it's really not a thing. And like I said about the industries, you know, them wanting to sell us more meat, it became such a big thing with like working out and making sure you're getting your protein. And it's just one of those like 3D, you know, things and we don't need, first of all, we don't need to be getting this much protein in our diet. And protein is also found in things like beans and dark leafy greens and spinach and chickpeas and hemp seeds and so much nuts and seeds and peanut butter and so many different things that are vegan. And I think you asked me, um, what would you eat if you don't eat meat? And there's uh, just an array of uh, food items you can eat. Usually for my easy go-to, I'll throw on like either noodles or rice. Um, there's a, a, I think I just had tofu noodles the other day. So um, there's tons of different noodles you can choose from. There's like rice noodles and even black meat, like these black bean noodles um, and rice. And then I'll throw on like, I'll grill up some veggies and then I'll throw on like a sauce. Cause I'm all about like, um, they have this joke, like the vegans know all the spices there is because we're always trying to like kick up the flavors. So I'm all about the spice. Um, and you really can't get bored because there's so many different varieties of flavors. You can have like, um, like peanut sauce or chili peppers, or I always throw a sriracha on there. I have this new like vegan jalapeno ranch that I'm putting on everything, which probably isn't like the healthiest, but you know, you got to do what works for you. And there's so many different substitutions, like you said, and uh, this is just one example of a substitution, but I've been using um, jackfruit. It's like this barbecue. Um, you can get it over here at Kroger, and it tastes just like barbecue. So jackfruit is this like big fruit, um, and you can have it as a fruit, but after a certain amount of time, it gets either too ripe to eat or you can eat it more, and it tastes just like meat. Um, another thing that I've used are like mushrooms. I had some tacos at Torchy's Tacos the other day and I got this beautiful um, uh, mushroom taco with like sauce and avocados and onions. And so just really opening your mind and then doing your own research to see what works with you because we really don't need to be having this meat in our system. And yeah. it takes, I think it takes three days for the, your body to digest the meat. And you don't want anything just sitting in your system for that long. That's going to cause the toxins to come up. That's going to cause a lot of bacteria. And um, I also would suggest if you are trying to get off is to do like a two or three day cleanse just to cleanse your body of the toxins. It's the buildup that's been building up. And that also can help you to restart and reboot your system. Yeah. And, you know, something else that pops up is, you know, we tend to eat a lot of the same things. So it's, you know, important for people that have like digestive problems or, you know, maybe like food allergies, like they get headaches or bloating or some, you know, stuff like that to rotate their diet and not to always eat the same things because then it does uh, create like irritations and sensitivities to certain foods and whatnot. And 
yeah, that just popped up in my mind. I was when I was working for a clinical nutritionist, she would always stress the fact to rotate your diet because now we see a lot of people with sensitivities and these problems and inflammation and autoimmune diseases and people really need to focus on rotating what they're eating and not always eating the same thing every single day. Yes, I love that you said that. And it's funny because it's kind of like, you know, the seasons, we always switch out our clothes um, every season. And it's, if you think about it, it's no different from the food. So, you know, what you should be eating in the summer, your summer diet is going to be drastically different than what you should be eating in the fall and what you should be eating in the winter. And um, I'm not too into the teachings of Ayurveda, but they do teach um, one of my teachers, Jai Dev, he was just talking on a on his Instagram the other day about this month, um, the month of October, really focus on eating the apples. Um, I guess the apples help to remove that heat that's in our bodies from the summer. So a lot of heat that's been built up over the summer is just kind of in our bodies. And when we're eating these apples, um, it can kind of help to remove the heat and remove that from our body. And that's why I really am getting into Ayurveda because it's teaching us about our different doshas, how each of us acts differently with different foods and really switching up um, what to eat and when to eat because we really want to be eating, you know, with the nature. So we're these nature cyclical beings. And so when the nature changes, we should also be changing, you know, what we're wearing, what we're eating, um, what we should be putting on our skin because um, we're always, you know, in this constant, ever-evolving process of change. Yeah, and these cycles and phases, and there's a reason why we want soup in the winter time, you know, or we want fresh foods in the spring and summer, and so it, we do have to like know what. I mean. Okay, if anyone follows Sahara Rose, she has a dosha quiz, and you can go and take that, and it'll tell you what your dosha is and how to eat for your body type. And, you know, for instance, I'm a pitta body type, which means I'm a fire body type, and I love tomatoes, but I actually shouldn't be eating raw tomatoes because it adds more fire to me. And so I should be, you know, eating other foods. And if people don't know that, and then they're like, oh, why am I so irritated, or why am I, like, so angry or frustrated it could simply be that you're you know not eating right for your body and everyone's body type is different and just because it's good for the person right next to you doesn't mean it's good for you and you know everyone knows that it's not a one size fits all type of approach when it comes to our bodies or even what we need or what we desire so exactly and what you need today may be different than what you need next week absolutely Um, and also Another thing is in the fall and then in the spring is the really potent times to be doing those cleanses. So if you are going to, you know, invest or dive into doing like a five-day cleanse or a 10-day cleanse or doing those cleanses, it's a beautiful time actually right now and then again in the spring because we're getting ready, you know, to go into that hibernation mode, into the cold months, um, getting uh, those toxins out from this past like six-month cycle and then in the spring again, you're getting ready to go into the more warmer time. Um, And so that was coming up for me. (laughs) So I want to, so I want to switch gears a little bit again. And I know that you have been, you know, doing these women empowerment circles and really holding space 
for these women to share their stories and connect with other soul sisters and, you know, come in for their kundalini and EFT tapping and sound healing and whatnot. And I just want you to talk about a little bit about the magic that happens when women come together and just share their stories. And we just, you know, hold the space to not respond, but just simply hold the space. Sure. Um, so yes, me and my friend Rachel, um, we started these back in, I want to say March at her house. We were like, yeah, we want to hold women's circles. I had gone to my first circle last year and it was such an activation for me. So powerful for me. And I was like, why haven't I ever been to one of these before? Um, so we started holding space at her house and, you know, whoever came, came. And when we are, you know, healing, it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing, but sometimes we have a tendency to want to retreat and, you know, be healing on our own because it can be, you know, messy and raw and things come up. But when we join together and we can sit in space and we can talk to each other, but like you said, not trying to fix each other, not trying to um, give advice or, you know, say what to do, but just when we really sit there and hold the space, that is sometimes when the answers come to us. And especially when you're hearing these other women talking, you are realizing, okay, that other person is me. I am that other person. Like we always say, um, the other person is you. It's one of the sutras in Kundalini. And I think that is such a powerful and activation ceremony to sit and just allow what is needing to come up because sometimes we don't even realize it until we listen to, you know, Judy who's sitting right in front of us that has the exact same story or um, we're doing this work. And so I've just found it very, very inspiring to see the women who come up and are committed to themselves and, um, yeah. And, you know, I remember when I was on my healing journey and I was kind of, like you said, being isolated, doing it all on my own. I felt like I was in a very strong place. And then I went into that women's circle and whoa, okay, yes, I did create a strong container within myself, but I didn't realize how powerful it was for someone to just witness my story and how medicinal that was. And like you said, you know, people find a piece of themselves in your story and share. So I think if anyone, you know, is wanting to connect with other women to go to a women's circle, look up events on Facebook, on Instagram and see what they have, you know, normally for the full moon or new moon ceremonies and just go there and, you know, be open to the magic of being in that space with other women and how powerful it is to just be vulnerable and it express yourself and most of the time you don't even know what's really going to come out of you until it's like okay it's your time to share and you're like uh okay (laughs) I know it's still and you're still like waiting there you're like what am I going to say what am I going to say what am I going to say and then it comes to you and you just say it and I love how you said it's powerful when you are being seen because that's something I really really had to learn when I was in my teacher training in um, Española because I'm so like you know, I always want to know about other people. I'm an extremely, um, uh, an extreme empath. And so I find it 
I used to find it somewhat awkward to talk about myself, especially in front of other people, unless I was in my own coaching sessions. And so it really taught me when we, you know, allow ourselves to be seen and really express ourselves in our most authentic way, we're not, we're just healing ourselves more. It's just like a, a an activation again for our healing. Because when we can stand in our truth and allow us to be seen, it's really showing us, um, and again, coming back to the trusting ourselves more, it's trusting yourself more that it's okay to be vulnerable and share and show up. Yes, especially, like you said, being seen because, you know, we, a lot of people um, in general just have that fear of being seen truly and fully for who and what they are and just having that space to know that no one's judging you no one's trying to fix you like this is a safe place for you to just open up and allow others to witness you exactly where you are so yeah and then usually when you're like showing up as your authentic and your truth then you're allowing other others to know that it's okay to show up as them as themselves as well yes so, wow, I am so happy that we did this podcast today. And I want to ask you, how can people get in touch with you? What is your Instagram handle and your website? So you can get in touch with me through Instagram. You can shoot me a DM. Um, it's Tara Sanpriti, so T-A-R-A. Um, actually, Michelle will just link link it below and then my um, website is also tarasanpretty.com if you are in the Argyle area I do have a studio it's a little martial arts studio in Bartonville um, where I do teach kundalini if you are wanting that in-person experience Um, and then I also do virtual kundalini sessions online they're individualized and personalized um, to fit your specific needs, what you are wanting. And um, I also do health coaching. So I'm kind of like a little jack of all trades here. <laughs> yeah, and you guys, watch out because me and Tara are going to be coming out with our own thing together where we're going to hold space for women as well. So stay tuned for yes. that. Yes. <laughs> I've been having visions of you, girl. <laughs> You're like, I'm so honored. What? <laughs> You were having visions of me? Like, yes, I was having visions of, I was having visions of Tara before we even met. So it, it was just, it's so beautiful. And I'm just so happy to have connected with you, soul sister. And just to close it out, what is your go-to dance song? You know, right now I am loving Shallow. So if you do happen to follow me on Instagram, you'll see a little dancing video of those songs. But I really love shallow he has two songs that i love right now it's called you and me and then what's the other one is count on and then also lie so i just love him (laughs) oh my god i haven't heard him i'm gonna go listen yeah he's really i really like him yay well thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of this beautiful information to the listeners on the inner mystic podcast of course thank you so much for having me it was so fun All right, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.